Hello, everybody. It's your old friends at Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Woo! Hey, it's all it's a lads, lads, lads session tonight, lads. No work, Bob. We've uh, we've uh, <laughs> we, we've had to we've had to dismiss her, unfortunately, because um, you know there was a list out for the big the top female footballers in the world, the top one hundred, and Vivian Miedema was only second, so yeah, she hasn't yes. taken that well. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm afraid. Um, Maybe let's not tell her that Pernil Harder was number one. Yeah, yeah. he'd have a few notes. Yeah, cool. cool. That's, a, that's actually a really good list. I'd love to go through that list for her because um, there's some serious fucking omissions on that list. Like, the real, uh, well, yeah, I think a lot of it's based on form and how they've done over the year and that. But yeah, really there's still only, a few missing. Yeah, you know, it's funny how like lots of lists like this don't tend to be on form. Like people like. Mm. Um, did you see the men? The men, the FIFA Pro top fifty-five uh, men oh. was put out. Oh, I do. I, I did actually catch that. I do believe yeah. that. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, the fella that Deli plays at the. Yeah, your man. Yeah, the guy that was in the Amazon documentary. Yeah, Ali, the man who hasn't played for his team in the league since October. <laughs> made their top list. So like, what to be honest with you, like that on? It can't be anything to, to, this season. I mean, FIFA still have fucking Messi up to win the, like, they're not Ballon d'Or awards, even though yeah. he's literally done nothing but, the, like, sob for 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 three months. It was like, yeah, he's I still mean, the like, best in the world. Is he? Is he? In all fairness, like, he is. But uh, he's been doing quite well there. I mean, uh, like, he, he, he's doing very well mm. for somebody who's at a club that is quite literally burning down around him. And yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't mean that figuratively. I mean that literally. It's important that it's important yes. if you understand what I'm saying. We have to, we have to understand that. Yes. down around his fucking ears. And <laughs> I think anybody with any lower, even somebody with a who was one or two notches below mm. him on the skill ladder, would have been completely engulfed by this and would probably have left by now. Are you but, um, well? Actually, well, actually, Neil, I have to, I have to strongly disagree with you there because Martin Braithwaite has been absolutely <laughs> killing it at Barcelona. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the. So that's your factor. that's your point. I, I nullified. The, yeah, I forgot the break weight factor. My algorithm was totally off. You've just been break weighted. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, it's just the two of us. Uh, every time he scores, a goal yes, now. Break weighted. <laughs> <laughs> He's there like a balance or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, look at me, so balanced. Can't even keep you up. <laughs> uh, awkward, but um. But yeah, like um, so like I said, it's just the two of us uh, tonight, and we are going to uh, just uh, have a brief recap of the week that we've had in football. Um, it's been a, quite a racist weekend in football, it has to be said. Neil, it's been quite a lot going <laughs> like, on. Um, on on a week, uh, on a couple of weekends where football hasn't done a whole, uh, there's been like it's been quite quiet. You know, there's yes. a, very much no news is good news when it comes mm. to football recently. But it seems that football itself has decided, oh fuck, no news. We're gonna do a racism. And, uh... <laughs> we're, we're sick of the back pages. We've done the back pages. We want front pages now. That's yeah, what we, we want. Yeah, exactly. We want like front page racism. Like we're yes. we're fed up with this. Our racism is better than your racism. Yes, you know, absolutely. I mean, like we're, we're not gonna go into into too much uh, detail about it because there's better podcasts far more like uh, informed than we are that you can go and and listen to your bollockings off. But I suppose. <laughs> Well, as a as a football podcast, we are absolutely in our right to laugh at Millwall whenever we can, and this is oh the perfect opportunity too. It just um, if you haven't already on the uh, Guardian uh, website and indeed everywhere else, 
if you have not checked the, the David Squires comic relating to this topic, oh, um, Squires comic. In all fairness, if you want this I'm, on on point, that is it. Nailed no, on. In all fairness, I I'm one hundred percent to my marrow against racism, but when it produces David Squires comics like the ones he's done now, mm. uh, yeah, <laughs> it's got you know, its place it, in society. Is, all right, then. but. Uh, <laughs> I understand it's not much of a silver lining, but fuck no. it. <laughs> yes. it, it, it. It's entertainment, I guess. But um, but yeah, it's it's. I found that mad. Like I didn't. I'm not gonna say I've gonna find it, find it mad, but it was always a case like when like it's like one of those kind of like have I got news for you headlines where like you'll hear like <laughs> racist chance were said at and then like immediately in his up will go was it Millwall? It's like yes, it was. You, you don't watch football if you know that. It's like yeah, it's, it's Millwall. You know. Don't you not know Millwall, the bastion of anti-Marxism? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like it, it was such a, a, a like a, a pathetic, like little resistance by just a, the biggest gammons going. But <laughs> in a weird way, I found it even funnier how like the club kind of like tried to placate them during the week because it was actually it was rotten timing in that sense because they had the match against Derby, they lost the game, which was pretty funny in its own right and but then the midweek game was against qpr who um who famously who don't, don't take a knee during... trolled them mm. trolled them in the most epic manner by running over to their away section and going and doing the taking the knee and doing the black power salute yes because because uh, famously like qpr don't uh, norm don't do the don't take a knee before the match because Les Ferdinand is the sporting director and he thinks it's just a, an empty gesture, whereas some actual action could be taken, mm-hmm. which is a fair argument. But of course, Millwall then have been trying to weaponize that to defend booing what is an empty gesture. It's like, yeah, that, whoa, that, that, Nelly. That's my point. Like, if right, if you think it's an empty gesture, much the same. We take the QPR thing, right? If you think it's mm. an empty gesture that you don't want your players doing, you think it's stupid. That's fine. All right, um, you can have an argument for a. I don't think anybody on the Millwall side has that particular argument, but fuck it, let's give them the benefit yeah. of the extreme doubt. Um, then don't like write to your club, write to the players, tweet them even for fuck's sake. Don't boo it. Yeah. There's no chance that you're going to come out of that looking good. There's no way you're thinking, oh, well, we think it's an empty gesture. Well, what do you think? you booing an anti-racism gesture is going to be nobody's going to say nobody's going to take your side there pal like, no you look at that and you think is that really the hill you want to fucking die on you it's... booing an anti like, you know when you hear about artists who who kind of defend their use of the the swastika because of mm. um you know it's got it's got really early christianity roots it's also the, and Judaism, like, yeah, uh, yeah. there's hindu temples that are just filled with them because it's, it's their symbol and they use it in their art because of that and not because mm. of the, the nazi connotations and you're like okay then fine yeah you're correct technically but really is that a hill you want to die on like mm. did you not think mm, this might go the wrong way so maybe not maybe interpreted wrong yes stupidest fucking thing that you could have ever done like but legit, like the, the fact, like this is your first home game. This is the first time you've seen your 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 club play yeah, exactly. That's it. in February since what January maybe. And this is like yeah, in an instance like, where, like for the football league games, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. And like you're you're looking at the you're looking at the at that and thinking like you've waited so long to get to your home game. You're one of the lucky few to have got a ticket, 
and you made a concerted effort to basically boo and make your and turn your club into a laughing stock yet again. They're after booing before the match has started. Yeah. Like, you've wasted all this time and you're booing before a ball has been fucking kicked. Yes. <sighs> like, I just, just I don't like what I'm actually more impressed with, like, you know, obviously Millwall fans will have this reputation of being like dumb gammon like uh, Brexiteers that listen to LDC radio and nothing, not, and nothing more. But it's actually impressed me how much have such an in-depth knowledge of Marxism to know that the uh, that taking the knee um, as per the Football League, where it has its own anti-racism initiatives and is somehow exactly the same as Black Lives Matter, even though the Football League, the Premier League and everything else in England have distanced themselves completely against any form of political movement. It's funny how, like, it's funny how like, the power of anti-Marxism just is able to, to, to capture itself under such different circumstances. It's almost like comparing apples and oranges or something. It's crazy how that works. Wasn't it, I remember reading something. It wasn't it, like it wasn't taking the knee they were booing against. It was one of the other players. I don't know who they were playing on the day. Yes. Uh, it was one of the other players raising his fist doing the, the they thought, oh, it's a Black Panther salute. He was, he was, yeah, it was Colin, it was uh, Colin Cousin Richards, and yeah. he had turned to face the Millwall fans as they were booing, because they were booing him, as you said, from the, before the, they, they did the knee salute. So he yeah. turned around and did the, the, the Black Power salute, uh, basically at the Millwall fans, and then they used him as an excuse as well. But you're like, did you know him beforehand? Do you know that you have black players in your own team? Can you understand why this looks bad? Yeah. Holy shit, like. Um, yeah, I, I quite liked that excuse as it fell flat in its face. Yeah, I was just like, oh, what the fuck ever, you know. And like I said, we are, we are, we are going to say like it was booed on other places. Other racism is available. And yes, exactly. There was some at West Ham. There was some at Colchester, and it's apparently it's it's quite widespread in the lower leagues anyway. And we got a we got a decent bit of it in the Champs League as well. We did. We actually got a very concentrated, like, um, my wadi of racism, didn't we? Like, exactly. a very... and we got a correct response to racism and anti-racism as well. So, like, yeah. we've, we've gone with how not to do it. <laughs> yes. So don't boo your players when they're making a stance. We've now gone with, here is actually how you deal with this shit in the PSG Bashikdir. Bashikdir? Bashikdir, yes. match. Where I was just... I was totally baffled. Uh, a friend of mine was actually watching this and was pinging me, and I ignored him because I thought he was trying. To, he was taking the piss out of me, which is why I never said anything at the time. Because like, yeah, 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 they're walking off. Great, yeah, great, yeah, yeah, that's great. And then the next day, I was like, <laughs> hell, they actually did. Hmm. Didn't even play twenty-five minutes, but walked off in twenty-third. Thirteen 20 minutes, minutes. It was. Yeah, twenty-second minute. Yeah, and yeah, yeah like. I, Again, like it's it, it's great to see that like they they actually did take the decision and, and walked off. And look, I'll be honest, like uh, after kind of like hearing what what it was and okay, like and speaking different languages as well. Like surely, like th- these are UEFA compliant referees who have to like who are wearing the say no to racism armbands as they're doing it. Apparently, didn't click at any point. That even in a foreign language, you might be able to hear the n words. Basically, and someone would take offense to it. It stems from one of the PSG um, assistant coaches getting sent off because he was mm. going tanto at the ref. Yeah, Pierre Weibel. Decision. I don't. I don't know if the, what the ref's decision was right or wrong. Actually, funnily enough, nobody's told me. 
But basically, he was pointing out that he was pointing out that the the, the the coach. He was trying to. He was like, "Look, get, send this guy off." But yeah. He kept referring to them as, "See that black guy? Get rid of him." He, he, get the, the black, black guy. guy. Get the black guy. Get the black guy. Yeah. Like I was going, "Fuck that, you fucking numpty!" In an empty arena where you can be heard. Just say the assistant coach over there of that team. He's an assistant coach. He is not that black guy. Yeah. Uh, it was just <laughs> crazy, you know. Um, and also, like, funnily enough, like, given that there's no, obviously, there's no crowds and all this shit. So, as you said before, we can hear everybody. Mm. Um, you know, you can actually hear even the players going absolutely mental at the time. You well, know, Denver Bar was on a fucking mad one in life. Yeah, so yeah, we took Denver him to task. Mental. Also, um, Kimpembe as well. Yeah. So he's like. Kimbembe could actually be heard saying, it's like, is he serious? Is he fucking serious? We're heading in. That's it. We're heading in. Fuck it. And then he just mm. walks off. And uh, I was like, legitimately, this is the way to deal with it. Like, and oh, again, we've, we've had, we've had these things like, um, like, like uh, racism in football is a weird thing. It just pops up every now and then as like, a, it's almost like a subplot in a really shitty fucking movie. It's like, oh, it's like, it's almost like a trope at this point. But like whenever it does happen, like I'm reminded of the uh, Bulgaria game with that England played, where like whenever a, a black player was on the ball, they were instantly booed. Uh, now they weren't any projectiles thrown or anything like that. But the but the Bulgarian FA had rationale that as that this is just bitterness from the fans towards us. And it's like no, it's not. How exactly are they being bitter to you by um, calling uh, by making monkey chants at Raheem Sterling? How exactly is that a protest against you so loud they can be heard through the cameras yes like you know and this was when like there was full crowds there mm. so like you, you can imagine like they've managed that's the away section have managed to overpower like, yeah most of the fucking home section you're going like what the fuck like come on it, it's crazy and like again I'm, I'm glad we kind of mentioned the 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 psg istanbul thing because as you said that was a kind of the right what used a way of dealing with this sort of thing compared to like the Millwall QPR game I mentioned where they didn't even, they didn't take a knee, they didn't do this kind of salute, they did like a different type of gesture so that they wouldn't get booed out of it. They kind of engineered it so no booing could happen, you know. Oh yeah, they and held up kind of, this huge long banner, all the players. Yeah, they're all linked together and they all had a banner and all that. And it's like, if you really, like if you really as a club wanted to take a stance against the, the gamut amongst you, you would have taken two knees. You would have been. You would have taken a knee of the first half, the second half. You would have taken fifteen minute breaks. Like you would have. Like you would have been boiling those people alive Absolutely. in the room. You'd have attempted to play the match world. on your fucking knees. You know, like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I would have. I, I would have done out of spite. Like I'd be there just oh, going absolutely. Because <laughs> fuck them. Like that's that's there's no place for you lads. But um, but yeah, like and, and rightfully that Romanian um linesman got or the fourth official got butchered for it and. Uh, uh, they replayed the match then the next day with different officials and uh, PSG handsomely won five one. But of course, the, again, the, the winner was the uh, out of the. Mo- it really says something for a moral battle that the team that's owned by the Qatari royal family, and then the <laughs> Turkish team that's often associated with Erdogan himself as his kind of pet project, they're the ones in the moral high grounds. That's. Yeah, when, when you when you're losing the moral high high ground to Erdogan, you fucked up, yeah. man. You've done some, and the, and the Qatari state fund, you have you've done something <laughs> so fucking wrong. 
<laughs> it's mad but yeah so we, we thought we'd, we'd bring that up anyway and get that out of the way as a war because uh, again Cavani doing uh he was doing the racism rounds as well wasn't he that was kind of the the, the starter almost it was like uh yes. it was like trying to get you in the mood like it was it was like Chekhov's gun of racism if you will and this is what's coming up next week um and uh yeah it was just uh, it, again it was it was a, it was a Really fucking stupid remark, and absolutely, like, it was the exact same remark that um Suarez got done for. Yes, um, and uh, not too far away the... from some other um one I can't recall now as well, which was also like disciplined for a true exactly. match man. The, the thing of the, the argument I've heard being trotted about out about that is, oh well, where they come from. This is actually like this is how people talk. And you're like, mm. okay, then that maybe again going back to my earlier, is this really the hill you want to die on? I think, <laughs> yes, you are technically correct, and I'm not denying yes. that. I don't know any Uruguayans; I've not been to Uruguay as well, so I cannot comment. But I will mm. believe you that that is how they talk there. That doesn't make it right, no. <laughs> you know. That's that's still not good. Like it's still no, you, it's, no, it's, no. That's not an excuse. That's just yeah. Oh, that's how they talk there. That's a why he did it. I yes. like, no, I was like, I don't give a fuck about that. You shouldn't do <laughs> it. Like, no. I don't get where that, oh, that's how they talk from like there. It's like, fuck off. You'd love, to, you'd love someone else to use that as a defense, wouldn't you? Just someone blacks up people, and goes, well, oh, you see, in their suburb. Like, people have been doing that. Yeah, like the L dads uh, saying it was like Elfless, you know, down the pub where people are like, oh, get a few whiskeys into him and have him call it Chinese. Yeah. And then you think, like, all right, that's just how he talks. That still doesn't make it right. No, it you absolutely know? doesn't. One hundred percent. And like again, like, and hopefully, like, and we're not saying this because just to be clear, if you're a United fan, we're not saying this because of United player. We're saying it because it's right. And I know that because we we lived through the Suarez business, and it was right then, and it's right now. So let's 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 end that on the board, shall we? <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, let's let's take a, t- a quick uh, Tracy two through the uh, Premier League results from uh, from this week. We were meant to have Friday Night Football um, in Newcastle versus Aston Villa, but it was postponed because Newcastle have the plague and by all accounts still do. Um, supposedly there's a few players still out missing. Um, some, most of them are asymptomatic. There's two members of staff who are apparently quite ill, which is a shame. But, um, but yeah, like it's, it's kind of the first team actively hit by COVID, really. I know we've had like a few positives here or there from like kind of international travel and yeah, that. Yeah, they, they've been properly smashed by it. Like yeah. Um, and it kind of shows you how like quick it can spread through a team as well. So, um, so yeah, like Newcastle kind of the first to be impacted. Like, for what it's worth, I we were kind of like stressing over the impact of the virus on clubs. I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long for an outbreak to happen, which I guess is probably a good thing for like it kind of shows like whatever like policies they're using are kind of working in that way. But, um, but yeah, it's 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 not pleasant when that happens to your team, I suppose. But, um, but yeah, like Newcastle, kind of the, the first proper victim of it uh, in that sense. But the rest of the results then, uh, starting off then, was the uh, thrilling one-all draw between Burnley and Everton. Moving on. Thrilling, indeed. Um, well, James Rodriguez was there. I mean, that was that's about as thrilling as it gets at Perth Moore. Oh, my God. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, no, it's uh, just the thing you're talking about Friday Night Football. We've yes. got Leeds, West Ham, and Leeds have a penalty. Yes, and Klitsch has just scored it. Are you sure? Yes, he has. I hope so. No, he yeah, hasn't. that voice screen is wrong. Is, is VAR betraying us again? Because if so, I wanted oh, to. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm a wee bit behind you because he missed the first. 
Ah, it was retaken. Right, right, yeah. right. He took quite possibly the worst penalty you'll ever see. <laughs> and I'm not joking. He literally tries to roll it into the bottom left at like a dead oh. snail's pace. Oh, God. But Fabianski doesn't move. So he's literally just... It's right here. Do you want it all right? When you watch it back, when you watch it back, I want you to keep the scene in your head, right? Remember the penalty shot from the over 75s priests all yes. Ireland in... <laughs> you know, like he <laughs> rolls <laughs> the ball <laughs> and the thing. But instead of a very elderly priest in the goal, it's Lucas Fabianski and he's just looking at it going, this is a joke, mate. <laughs> Did he encroach off, off his line, line just so he could do it and take it again? <laughs> it was off his line. And yeah, that was it. Oh Shit. my God, no. Fabianski, you... oh man. And I wouldn't even like, the... like in the retaking spot, he actually guesses the right he guesses the right way. <laughs> he actually hits the ball this time, does he? That's great. Yeah, That's yeah, good. That's what you're. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, All right. Yes. Back to the uh, thrill a minute ride, ride that was Everton v Burnley. That was it. Um. So <laughs> next after that, then was uh, Man City beating Fulham two uh, 0 Get over yourselves. Um. Then we had another weird like result from the weekend was West Ham won Man United three in a result that really shouldn't have been three one to Man United. Holy they were terrible. Hell. They were terrible. West Ham were all over them like a cheap suit. Mm. Um, and I just don't, I don't understand like what happened. Like every West Ham fan I knew who were at, who watched that match, they were just they mm. came out of a shell shock. I yeah. guarantee you they probably came out of a PTSD. I'm not even joking with you. It's, it's, genuinely it's looked at it, just been mugged. <laughs> And that was it. <laughs> the like, first goal was terrible. The ball going out of play. And the VAR, VAR going, shit, we don't know how to measure this. Get, get the protractor out. What do you mean we don't have one? Fuck it. <laughs> it's like, what? what is the point of you if you can't even see that? Use your eyes. Idiots. <laughs> fucking waste of a fucking piece of technology. Like, um. But yeah, like it, it's yeah, it was just kind of like that, wasn't it? Like, um, um, and yeah, I I can't see how like like Man United are like very high up the table, but they really don't deserve it. They are not, they're not deserving oh, of that league position. Oh, yeah, they were awful. They were properly like terrible, like truly, yeah. truly awful. I don't know. Like, we kind of go back to it as like, you know, is it the mark of a good team that they can play like shit and still win? If so. Manchester United, they're they're gonna win the World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> they're like they're gonna win everything. If if that if that that holds true, like they're gonna win everything. Because mm. oh my god, they were dog shit. They were yeah. complete dog shit. But for a 15, 13, 13 to fifteen minute spell, where they blasted in three goals, mm. <laughs> I'm going like, you have literally done not a fucking shred of work. Or played any kind of football for the whole other part of this match. Awful. And you do this. What in the name of Christ? It's terrible. Oh my God. Like the other 3 1 result there from that day was uh, Chelsea versus Leeds. And Chelsea, like to, to their credit, played what Leeds quite well. They got a bit of a circle punch at the start of the match, but then they kind of played into it. They didn't give Leeds that many chances. That, like, Leeds kind of like. They kind of have to have like a minimum 30 chances a game anyway, but that's because yeah, they have Patrick Bamford up front. Now, but, Bam, um, Bamford, baby, slots in in less than five minutes. Yeah. And uh, and again, like he, they, they slug out three in the end. Like, 
again, it's it's a question that a lot of podcasts are asking. Are Chelsea really good or is everyone just really bad? I think it's a combination of both. They're looking good, no, think, but not I really. I think Chelsea just have too much money. There's too much mm. money in that squad for it to play like garbage. You yeah. know, like Lampard, like the thing about Lampard is that, well, he's not a great coach and some would struggle to even class him as a good one. As long as he's not a detrimentally negative coach, yeah. that team's going to come out. Really go you wrong. literally just need a nobody manager. You need, mm. like, you kind of need somebody to just go, guys, right, um, Kepa's not playing well, we need another goalkeeper, you know, that type of mm. thing, you know. You just need somebody who's just not going to act as an anchor. Yes. And that's it, you've got to see. There's too, entirely too much. You can't pump a quarter of a billion into a squad and come mm. out with something really, really terrible unless you're actively trying or you are a fucking clusterfuck. Yeah. And as much as I hate Chelsea and as much as I would love to say that they're a clusterfuck, they aren't. No, um, they kind of got the shit made, together. Yeah, they, the quarter of a billion couldn't have been spent at a better time. They were picking up ta- supreme talent for mm-hmm. fuck all. Like, yeah. even a year or two ago, th- that money wouldn't have gone half as far. Mm. Um. So, like, yeah, I I just love the notion, by the way, of just like people trying to figure out if Lampard is a good coach, and he invites like a whole lot of like British like journalists to sit down to one of his like kind of tactics trucks, and he goes like, he has Kante up like at the number ten role, goes watch this, runs him down to number six, and goes, my God, he's a genius! How could we not see that before? <laughs> my God, that's the position he won the fucking league in, you cabbage. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, moving on then to the Sunday football. Uh, started off with a 5-1 VAR-approved win from for Crystal Palace against West Bromwich Albion. Um, did you know, apparently, if uh, West Brom lose the game against Newcastle, Salvin Village is going to be sacked? I don't know why. What, what, what were you expecting? You're not staying up, lads. Are you fucking mad? <laughs> Are you absolutely mad thinking that you're going to stay up? Like, seriously, that's like fucking... That is like Brighton expecting the Champions League spot. It's not going to happen, lads. You might as well be in the fucking championship with that. Like, I, I think it's insane. Like, I don't think this West Brom team have done badly. I think they just, like, they just don't have as much weaponry as most teams around them. That's just being honest. Yeah, and also, like, they're, they're quite unlucky as well. I mean, they would have mm. expected something out of a, a game against a team They should have beaten Chelsea, well into, for example. Palace. Yeah, and even then, like they were down to they were down to ten men, and then score. Oh no, wait, they scored the equaliser. Then went down to ten men and managed mm. to get the half time one all. Yeah, and I guarantee you, Village, Village is like, right lads, come on, let's keep it tight, let's keep it going. And then Palace just turned it on. Like Zaha played like people like we've all known he can play, but he doesn't. The notion really of Zaha, yeah, often because yeah, yeah. it's an awful lot of work. Mm. <laughs> you know, but um. It's just, and also Benteke scoring for his Wait. first goal since July. God bless him. God bless him. Like, oh, but uh, yeah, I mean, when you're being overpowered by Crystal Palace, mm. writing's on, kind of on the wall. Like, well, I will admit that like Billish isn't the cause of all of this, but the book ultimately does stop with him. Like, mm. even if he is being hamstrung with the club doing nothing. It's still his, not his fault, yeah. maybe, but the book stops with him. That's just how the game is, you know. Well, I, again, I, I can't wait for them to uh, do the notable thing and recruit Big Sam. Then they get 17th and everyone goes, oh, he's a genius. Give him the England job. And, um, <laughs> of course, they'd never do that again. Are you mad? Um, 
Another interesting match was the Sheffield Leicester game that ended two one to Leicester, but this one this one was close. Like it could have gone either way. And again, if, if Sheffield just remembered how to score, they would have won this game. Leicester were kind of there Absolutely. for the table. Absolutely. Uh, yet another Leicester smash and grab at the 90th minute. Yeah. So. Uh, Vardy does his Vardy thing and uh, like murdered a, a corner post, which oh, is great because fucking mullered that thing. <laughs> which, which was a big, it was a, it was a big hit on online because all the gammon now use that picture because it was the rainbow flag as well. So yeah, he was like, ha, ha, flags, yeah. victory for the straight men, yes, the lads. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, assholes. Um, but yeah, it's another story in the in the the tumultuous like year that is Sheffield. Like it's not going well for them. Still, like essentially the worst start in Premier League history. But they don't deserve it. Like they are, they are a good team. They just can't score goals. It's bizarre. They can't um, score goals, and they give the ball away too cheaply. Yeah, you know, you know, you can only go so far with heart. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I get that. Yeah, you've you've got to convert your chances, man. You know, um, Wilder. Funnily enough, actually, I'll read out the quotes from his post-match interview because it was fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> Jordan Klopp said he was mean to me. Yeah, no, but he, he turned around and he said, I've got the arse ache with people saying it's about the fine lines, this, that, and the other. The fact is, we're a losing team at the moment. I'm the manager of a losing team. But I look at this game, if we make the right decisions, we get something. We've just mm. thrown the ball over far too cheaply and didn't show the quality that we need. I, yeah, that, that's a fair assessment. That's a very fair assessment. Um, but yeah, and, and like to be fair to them, like they just need to go a, a, a one game against an easy opponent, and they'll they'll kick into gear. Like I think it is as simple as that. But now the point is like, well, they're, they're kind of like six points away from safety now, so you kind of need three easy opponents to, in a row to get them back to normal. But um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. So my ho- I'm, ho- I'm still hope for them because like I do objectively like <laughs> I, the team. I don't have a tremendous amount of hope for them now. To be perfectly honest with you, because. Mm. When you look at everybody, everybody around them seems this this game week and the next, and the previous one showed that, that what's all right. Then they've not got great results, but what's even more damning for them is that everybody around them is starting to click in and they're starting to scrape the point yes. together. And you're like, that's the worst. That's the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll skip the North London derby until the end because that's going to be a, a major talking point of this show. But. We move on then to uh, to the uh, fans coming back to Anfield and witnessing a 4-0 win for Liverpool against Wolves. And Neil, how good is Kevin Gallagher? <laughs> He's quite good, actually, to be honest with you now. Um, I you, you being an Irish goalkeeper, therefore must be an expert in Irish goalkeepers. <laughs> no, I, I quite find it. Because the thing about like the Irish national team, um, and we were, we were talking, we might do a bit of a deep dive into them maybe in a future podcast or something like yes. that. But one of, the main, one of the major things about the Irish national team is that of the three goalkeepers that we have, none of them are first string. Mm. You know, none of them are getting any game time. And Kelleher is. Now, Kelleher is, of course, the future. But he's third string at, well, second string. Second in reality. String, really, yeah. Third string on, on, on paper because nobody trusts. Um, Adrian, <laughs> anymore? No, 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 no. Seven two, no. <laughs> yeah. So he's getting, so he's getting some good game time. Mm. Um, for a good team in a great league with a ramshackle defense in front of him, that's somehow still not leaking goals. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, I'm I'm quite delighted for it to be perfectly honest because it means he gets his game, he gets the game time he needs to be an effective keeper. Randolph's not getting his game time, no, um, at all. And I just like fuck if Randolph can't get first string where he is, you know. Keller yeah. is getting first team football at Liverpool in the Premier League and in the fucking Champs League as well. Like, mm. fuck me, this is going to really stand to him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, right. Yeah, I, I, I quite agree with Klopp when he turned around. And he went, the, the academy has completely bailed this team out perfectly. It really like, has. That, that's been my takeaway from the last uh, few weeks is the fact that, like, what was it? I think when, when Gomez wrecked his knee, and I was thinking, like, that's our season fucked. That's our, that's our season gone because like we, we, we now have to rely on, on Fabinho and Matip as our defenders. And Matip like is a notorious perennially injured player. Like he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. When he's on, he is so fucking easy and so comfortable on the ball and so easy to defend. But the problem is like we can't seem to get him with a run of games. Um, so immediately we were thinking, right, we're, we're going we're gonna to be down to bare bones like because naturally we went into the season with three center backs and what could possibly go wrong? Um, but then we decided <laughs> but then Klopp goes like no we got Fabinho as backup and everyone's going like you can't have Fabinho on backup we need him in the field like, no, sh- sh- we can't. we got players in the academy it's like we don't have an academy what are you talking about it's like see him <laughs> call Reese Williams yeah he looks like Van Dyke, doesn't he yeah plays like him too come on in come on in come on it's up, you're up against Atalanta come on they're grand come on <laughs> it's like they're not attacking force Atalanta get your ass in here 19 year old player and he's great like, he's really good and um, but like even even all the other ones like like Curtis Jones has been fucking amazing this season, and it's and in a way he he's been forcing the likes of Naby Keita and uh, Minamino off the pitch, you know because he's a creative he's 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 a creative player playing in a lovely deep pocket in front of Henderson, which means that Henderson can also have fun spraying balls up and down the pitch like they have just a great chemistry between the three between those two and Wijnaldum. they were the, the by far the biggest positive from the from the Wolves game, and in fairness, like Jones has been kind of doing that since he's been in the in the team like for the last few weeks, and um, and again like the, I I could say I could go on to say more like we we had a rake of uh, youngsters against the Michelin in midweek and some of them impressed some of them were okay, um but yeah it was just the fact that like we can just go like oh yeah no we'll just bring a one a right back and a centre back and a goalkeeper and a midfielder and a other midfielder from the academy and we'll be sorted. It's just like, and when you do think about it, like, okay, the, the, the league table is where it is right now. But bear in mind, this is a, a half-cocked Liverpool team. Like, this is, this is us in second gear, like, or, like, struggling to get into second gear. Like, you know, like, there's, there's, still, there's still a Thiago to come back. There's still a Shaqiri. There's still a Van Dijk. There's still Alisson. Uh, Trent, now fully fit. Like, it's, it's start, it'll start to come back to us now a little bit. But it is damn impressive to see how good our team can be with just academy players. I think that's that's very impressive, you know. It actually says a lot about the coaching as well, to be able to just go like, doesn't let's get the 22 year old in. The, doesn't say a tremendous amount about the kit man that Keller had to change his jersey <laughs> the Neil, Irish names are very complicated. I, I wouldn't even mind. But like, all right, if, they, if he had, for some reason, if he had Quivian on the back of his jersey, I'd be like, okay then, I can see how mm. i not get that one fucking right. But Keller, I mean. We- Keller. Yeah. <laughs> Tell her I love her. <laughs> Tell her I said hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That, that's a funny one. 
Indeed, indeed. Uh, before you jump into the, into the big derby, let's talk about the small derby, which was on the south coast. It was Brighton 1, Southampton 2. Once again, VAR ruins another football game. God, they have to really stop doing this. They really, really need to stop doing this. Fuck! Stop it! <laughs> it's just I, I can't I, I can't bear it anymore. They just it just they're just destroying everybody. Like okay, it was very kind to Brighton last week, and now they've 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 completely like shafted them in this match here. It's like is this what happens? Is this is this like football karma now? It's just like VAR is watching and will punish you arbitrarily because I don't I don't like this. I'm fairly sure George Orwell wrote about this like t- 24 years ago. Like but no, this is just a, that's just the inevitable consequence of VAR. You know, mm. I said this before as well. It's like what nobody, what the people who were calling out for video refereeing, what they didn't realize because they were just too myopic in their view is that if you give refs help, that mm. help is going to go, well, all right, then I'm here to make you, sure you make decisions. And it, it's, going to inv- it's going to insert itself into everything. You know, yes. it can't just be used sparingly. It has to be used for everything. And it's going to have to be used along very narrow lines. And, you and know, it will the be nitpicked. That it's not yeah. a black and white game. Like, it's a very, there's loads of grey area there. And it's just, it's, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. But I suppose what, what, what was, I suppose what was annoying for a lot of people is that the initial call of a free kick at the edge of the box, nobody had disputed it. No, you know, like it, okay there's that, loads yeah. of team players going, the fuck, like if one half thing, like even the Brighton players were like, yeah, that's fine. It's the free kick. Even the Southampton players were like, yeah, free kick, edge of the box. And mm. if been one foot forward, obviously it would have been a penalty. But then like three minutes later, then the ref's like, no, point to the spot. <laughs> it, it, and it took him three minutes to decide whether it was in or out of the box. If it takes you three minutes to figure it out, then fucking leave it. Leave it alone. Like stop inventing work for yourselves like we got this in the in the champions against Michelin where like you saw the good and bad of, of it where we're like VAR gave Michelin the penalty and in fairness rightfully so because it was a foul by Kelleher but then we saw like well Minamino, Minamino scored a goal right and then VAR checked it and they, they weren't given a reason why they just kept checking it and kept checking it and once he did he noticed oh there was a slight handball by Mane a minute beforehand before Minamino scores like if that's how far back you're going and that's how long you're taking, give the fucking goal because you're just inve- you're just trying to find fault with things. Like legit, like that's the difference now. Where you're finding fault with a goal or you're actually trying to like confirm that it's a goal. It's like, mate, if it's hit from 30 yards, it's fine. If it brushed off a finger, it's not going to get disallowed. It's still a cracking goal. Just let it fucking happen. You know, it is just the implementation of it and the fact that like now everything has to be queried. And yet, again, I went to the point last week like you're happy to nitpick over millimeters and like even less for an offside, but when someone gets fouled in the box and forces their arms to go offside, you can't notice that. That's too hard for you. You can't de- you can't decide what happens there. So that's that. It, it's is that the difference now? Okay, offside's easy. Fouls, oh no, we can't see them. Blinkers completely. You know, it's complete fucking nonsense. The whole the whole is, and the refereeing of it is terrible as the well. The whole three minute thing, like. It's a penalty if it's like clear and obvious foul yes. or clear and obvious like impedance. So it's like if it's clear and obvious, why the fuck did it take you three minutes, three full minutes? But like there we have it. Nine yeah. million camera angles to figure that shit out. Like oh, I just don't. It's stupid. <sighs> it, it's it's completely mindless, and it's just getting worse. Like um, 
Speaking of getting worse, Neil, it's time we talk about the North London Derby. Um, well, just to say that, uh, Pavel Sushek has just equalised for West Ham. So that is Oof, actually get in getting worse. Yeah, football versus anti-football, lads. It's a bit of not watching it. But, um, but yeah, so let's, um, let's talk about the Derby, shall we? Um, Spurs Beach is 2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't watch the Derby myself. I, I was a horse. I, I watched bits. I'm sorry, I, I'll tell a lie. I watched the first half of it. And... I knew about a minute in you guys were losing. Um, oh, yeah, it was yeah, no, no. as quick as that. Um, now, I, I intended to deep dive a bit on, on Arsenal and Mikel Arteta in this podcast because I think it's about time we, 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 have, a, we have a talk about Mikel Arteta. And I'm sure you're going to vilify, perhaps I'm going to get vilified here by my own um, uh, co-podcasters <laughs> here when I say this. But Mikel Arteta is not a good manager. I think we need to start talking about this now. I just, I, I think it's it's really not going very well for <laughs> the team. They can't, we can't buy a break. This is officially our worst start to the season ever. Yeah. Um, I just, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's mental. Like, I just, it's crazily bad now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really fucking bad now. Um. It's just the team doing the the fucking wrong thing. Like we slung in mm. forty four fucking crosses in this game, um, and had no goals to show for it. So no, and I think what I think out of the forty four, I think only two even came to shots. Mm. So like you just <laughs> it makes <laughs> yeah. like, like it, legit it's, like it's the tactical because... the tactical battle here was not a battle. Josie just lets you guys just move up a few inches and then let Son run. And he won the game out of it. He kept it simple. Whereas Arteta is trying to do, I don't know what the game plan from Arsenal is. Like, please enlighten me if, if I'm missing something here. It is a 12-week correspondence course you have to go through to understand <laughs> football. But what I'm seeing from my side is a guy who actively doesn't know how to set up his team right. I think, yeah, there's just nothing in the midfield. Like, he's just... Ah, there's just, or, or, yeah, it's just nothing's going really right for the for Arsenal right now. Everything's going bad. Mm. Um, there, there's nothing through coming through the central midfield. The play is plodding. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just not really nice to look at, you know. Um, yeah, fuck it. Like it's just. It's absolutely terrible. I mean, I wouldn't even mind, but there was points where we were fucking camped in the Spurs half, and yeah. just nothing was happening. Like, but the weird um, thing is, like, he weren't even a threat. Like, you could have happily had like, uh, like Spurs happily had eleven of your players in their box, and he went like, "Cool, yeah, grand." You're still not scoring, and like, I I just find it incredible that like that you guys have got so complacent in your attacking so quickly. Because I'm even, I'm even remembering like the first match of the season where it against Fulham. Okay, granted, it's Fulham, probably the weakest defense in the league. But <laughs> even then, you had some notion of an idea. Abamyang was running channels. You had William playing as your number ten. You had a good bit of width, but they were stopping at a certain point and crossing inwards as opposed to like doing the outer crossing as they are doing now. Like I, I don't understand how you guys have kind of reneged on that. Whether it's like, I, I don't think it's like a tactical evolution or, or anything like that. It just feels like this is the only way to get your, your balls in because, again, you don't have a central midfield and you just can't go through the midfield at all. So you, you feel like you're kind of, um, I don't know, like uh, like 
cornered into crossing. Alternatively, you could just play a person in a number 10 role and just do that. Yeah. Why are you crossing to target men who don't it's exist? getting to a point where it seems like he doesn't want to rely. Whereas it's unfortunate in that he's not being... It's sort of like Arsenal, I think, could do with an injury crisis. Mm. <laughs> Much in the same way as Liverpool have had, only further up the pitch. Because yeah. like with the injury crisis, Klopp has been forced to field what's quite obviously a very gifted crop of youngsters. Mm. And the problem is that Arsenal have an even more gifted crop of youngsters and they just aren't getting any game time. You know, so like, William's been a total disaster. Um, yeah. William's been absolute garbage. He's been terrible. Lacazette's rustier than fucking ever. We scored 10 goals in 11 games and three of them were against Fulham. Mm. Um, it, it's just, we've got brilliant talent in Saka, but like he's, there's nobody there. Like every time, there was one part, there's one period where he took the ball down the left flank and he, he's running at the Spurs defence and he's doing it really well. That's what he's meant to do. That's what you want your wingers, your white players to do. You want them to pick up the ball and move it up the pitch. But when he does that, there's three players standing in the centre circle. Nobody runs yeah. up to support him. He's like crossing it into nobody. It's, you know, there's no support there. Like get in the fucking box. Mm. There's nobody there. And I think an injury crisis, I think there's a horrible saying, I'll just play my senior players because I can rely on them. And I was like, what's the evidence that you can rely on them? Yeah. There's no evidence there like that. And when you look at this team and you're thinking, oh, fuck, like you're looking at the, like there's a huge thing going on with Balogun. Um, kind of like we're in, we're still in contract talks with him. Yeah. But um, prior to Arteta signing, he had outrightly stated that he was not re-signing for Arsenal, that he was going to leave. Um. He's just kind of you know, people are like, oh, why is he doing that? Why is he? Well, take a look around. He's if he can't get in ahead of these garbage, like this is a team that's not scoring goals. He's a proven goal scorer, albeit at under 23, under 21, and every other level. And the Europa League, of course, and the Europa League as well. He's slotting them in, mm. but like he's not getting any league game time because why? Because he's being benched uh, behind people who aren't scoring either. I was like, at least feel the youngsters. Yeah. You know, and that the problem is that the youngsters are losing out to senior players who aren't in form. Like, if you're not getting on the pitch because you know Aubameyang's ahead of you and he's slotting in twenty goals in a season, you're like, all right, I'm fine. Yeah, I know why I'm not getting on the team. I know I'm, mm. I know why I'm not getting on the pitch. Like Kelleher, I don't think is you know remotely um, fussed about the fact he's not getting into the team ahead of Allison. No, you know, no, like, that's understandable. I know why I'm yeah. not getting in ahead of that guy. I know why I'm not at that level yet. But mm. the thing is, a lot of our, our, our senior team players are playing so badly that a lot of our youth players are looking at them going, I am actually playing better than that guy. But because yeah. he's getting paid more and because he's been in the team for longer, he's getting in. So the meritocracy that Arteta claims to have installed isn't actually coming to fruition because the players that he's fielding aren't well, the, the, the attacking players, at the very least, that he's fielding aren't playing very well. And you're going like... But even his defenders, the, it, the whole team doesn't make sense. Like, it, it's literally like... Because the phrase I kind of use with Liverpool sometimes is that there's joined-up thinking. You know, there's an actual synergy... I hate the word synergy, but there is a synergy there from <laughs> the co- what the coach wants 
to what how the team is planned and how the team is put together. So it all works in a circle. And again, let's go back to the, the season where we nearly won the Champions League. They recognised immediately our two biggest problems were that we needed a goalkeeper and we needed a defensive midfielder that wasn't Henderson because Henderson wanted to play to like what he normally plays, which is number eight. He was sick of playing as the anchor and wanted to do something else. So literally the first thing they did was drop the shortlist, narrow it down to one for each position. And in those two months, they signed Allison and Fabinho. That's easy, right? That, that, that is not a difficult thing to do. For me, Arsenal, I think the problem is that Arsenal can't decide, can't pick a tone. They can't decide whether they want to play this horrific, draconian fucking like big Sam football where you have six defenders and four attackers. And I don't know why, but seeing that type of formation now is my pet peeve. Like England do it, Wolves do it, Spurs do it, Arsenal do it, and it just gets on my tits. Because when you're doing that, that tells me you don't have confidence in your defenders. You don't want to give them any personal responsibility, so you just want strength in numbers. And the problem with that is then that just chokes up any opportunity you have going forward unless you have brilliant fullbacks. And I'll be honest, like the fullbacks are your best part of your team. You have brilliant fullbacks. But the problem is you haven't done too much. And then they, get, they overcommit and they get exposed, and that's what happened in the Spurs game. Like literally, Jose Mourinho played you like a fiddle because he knew exactly what was going to happen. You knew that Tierney and Bellerin exactly were going to bump what was going to happen as well. Like, I don't. Hmm. I'm like, I would, I would seriously question the sanity of anybody who thought, who thought that going into that match that Spurs weren't going to play full on counter attack football. Yeah, but really. I was like, are we talking about a different Jose Mourinho and a different Spurs team, lads? Like, well, my problem is that. My problem is that how could Arteta not see that? How could Arteta? Yeah. Not, okay, granted, you were playing on Thursday, but so was Spurs. How on earth could you not have thought of a, perhaps a different way of playing so you weren't vulnerable from the counter-attack? And keeping possession and not doing anything with it is not a plan B. It, change formation, change your players, put some energy on, counter-attack yourself, do something that isn't crossing into an empty box. Yeah, but I will say one thing. You know you've played really, really, really fucking badly when Mourinho spends the first four minutes of his post-match interview praising how good you were. <laughs> they were working the triangles, Neil. Oh, they had yeah. great triangular play, as it were. Um, I, I, I will say, I really noticed this in the, um, in the Dundalk game, which I watched yesterday. And for the record, it, it ended 4-2 to Arsenal. Like, just some of those players just so look so complacent. And it's actually really striking when you do see a senior player like pairing up with like a young player and the difference is chalk and cheese. Like Nicholas Pepe was done for pace by Dara Leahy. And that's saying <laughs> a lot for someone who's 72 million pounds and you're, 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 you're losing a, a foot race to a guy from fucking Dundrum. You know what I mean? That's, that's ridiculous. Really. Christopher Shields was the best play, midfielder in that game. And that, and that midfield of yours is, like, it can be better. It's non-existent. You could sign Chris Shields, to be honest. Like, that's a good idea. You might as well get him in. Because he was fucking better than any of your midfielders last night for what he is like. And lo and behold, he's actually apparently impressing a lot of people. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, well, he actually is really good. Is the League of Ireland better than advertised? No, it's not. No. Why are we saying this? But, um, but even then, like... You mentioned the Balogun there, and you and Enketia was great, and Willock was great, and Willock was playing in an advanced like playmaker role. 
just play him there in the Premier League. What's what's so hard about this? Yes, what is the issue? In the Premier League in that position, but he tends to fade away because there's nobody running around him, and I think that's the prob- that's the problem, because when he gets fielded in that position in the Premier League, mm. he gets that position in the Europa League, and he's got people like Inketia, a Balogun, he's got other players around him, and they help and support him. Whereas in the Premier League, like he doesn't get any support because it's senior. Mm. Oh. And he was like, fuck. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah. So, again, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep uh, track with the Arsenal situation because uh, I get the feeling that uh, this is not going to end just with a 2 0 loss to Spurs. I'm sure there's going to be more about this over the Christmas because, oh boy, everyone's got a fun Christmas ahead of them. Um, Although to be fair, you could go on a winning streak and end up in fourth because that's how fucking weird the league is at the minute. Um, mm-hmm. But what we are going to do is we're going to change tack and talk about Europe for a while because we have been neglecting it a little bit over the last few weeks. Um, so uh, in case you missed it, the uh, group stages are officially over and teams have qualified for it. So I thought I'd go through the groups and, and stop whenever something interesting happened. Um, so Group A was a bit of a formality. Bayern Munich uh, winning most of their games. Uh, bar a draw against Salzburg and a yeah, and then funnily the, enough, actually, we went on this. He goes to Europe out of both the Champions League and the Europa League, all the group stages. There's only one team with a 100% winning record. That's Arsenal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's but again, play the players that are good in the Europa League. Fuck Arteta, exactly, come on. Yeah. How is this difficult? Um, but again, Atletico um, made a bit of a hard work of it themselves. Actually, um, they only got, they only won two games out of it. But Salzburg had a pretty weak record themselves. Um, I, I think it's going to be a commentary on like Spanish football overall that Atletico is winning winning the is currently leading La Liga by a comfortable margin, and still looking pretty average in Europe. I think that's just where Spanish football is at the minute. Yeah, it's it's not in a good place, particularly with no. Red, the twin pillars of Real and Barcelona, literally mm. in a race to the bottom. Yeah, like a holy shit, like. Um. So holy yeah, and, uh, <laughs> like, holy shit, yeah. And <laughs> uh, speaking of Salzburg, by the way, the guy that you were linked to, uh, Balajai, the Hungarian fellow we mentioned Bola, last week. Yeah. Yeah, Leipzig have signed him. Bad luck, lads. Yeah. Shock horror! Shock theater. It was us and who else was it? Napoli as well. Napoli wanted them. Uh, Barca, Barca and Real wanted them, but apparently on a radar. Oh, Milan, one of the Milans that wanted them as well. Yeah, no, a lot of people liked him because he was young and number ten, and apparently they're like fucking white rhinos now. So, um, but yeah, about that. Uh, Group B, boy, this was a fucking like this was a hell of a hell of a group, lads. So it started off with Real Madrid and Inter as the top seeds. Uh, Shakhtar and Munching Gladbach as sorry, seed three and four. And to be fair, if permutations are worked out slightly differently, both Real Madrid and Inter Milan perhaps should have been re- relegated from this competition. Yeah. Like they were by far the worst two teams in this in this group. Um, Shakhtar beat Real twice, like like home and away, which is insane. And Munching Gladbach got huge results over uh, a, a, a win over Real as well. Like Real Madrid are a horrendous team. Like I, we can't sugarcoat this. The fact that they are top of this group makes me violently ill. Um, oh, they're terrible! No, they're 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 so bad. Like they're bad in the league and they're bad in Europe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was what a last ditch. I mean, it's because 
they only really got through to the last 16 because Gladbach decided not to mark carrying Benzema. Uh, thinking that, like, what's this fat fuck going to do? He's not going to do yeah. anything. And then he scores both goals. But um, I just... Yeah, it's that bad, was it. Like, it? Like... Yeah, just, I don't... Kids are just terrible. They're really fucking bad. Like they're <laughs> so fucking bad. It's it's it's, it's horrendous. Like again, Zidane is one of those one of those. I, I've said it before, and like I'm sure like Real Madrid stands. If they ever listen to this podcast, would be haunting me to my day if I say this. But Zidane is by far the most overrated manager in football because like I, I can't look at him and say he has a style. I can't look at him and say that he has a, a good coaching record or a philosophy. He just seems to alienate people and like make a team make a, a team that is like feasibly a top 11 and then let it make it work. And then that team hasn't changed for like seven years. And shockingly, that team is starting to decline and has declined over the last three years. And the fact that they've kind of won the league is only because Barcelona are worse. But this year is not the same now. Like Atletico have got their shit together and a few other teams are knocking on the door as well, like Villarreal and Sociedad, who are actively Sociedad like good football really teams. It up. Like, yeah. people, somebody posted up um, like a list of teams that we could potentially get in the last 32 of the Europa League. Yeah. And people are like, Ooh, like, you know, the La Liga teams there aren't really doing very well. I was like, you don't watch La Liga then, you fucking idiot. Like Sociedad yeah. are ripping it up. Yeah. And they and they saw and they sold Odegaard back to them, who was their main outlet. They have decided, oh no, we have better players now. <laughs> we, we found them under the couch. It's good. And then Villarreal under Emery are a fucking powerhouse. Powerhouse, like it's it's insane. Um, but yeah, like and so unfortunately, kind of Shakhtar end up um, third in the group. And again, I think that's a bit unfair because they were actually decent in this in this group. Um, but well, they that only went out on a head to head. Like yeah, they were level. That was it. They were level with points. Yeah. It's crazy, and it's also yeah, and it's also that like yeah, Mönchengladbach I think beat them five 0 so yeah, that will that will do it. That will do it. The breaks, like you know, yeah. that's <laughs> in the end. But to be to their credit, like Mönchengladbach are a good team as well. Like they do have like a fucking brilliant partnership up front, Turam and and Playa, and that's getting them get that's getting them through. Like and in a way, they're kind of an old school Bundesliga team as well. Like they kind of play the way they do, and um, so it's a nice, it's a nice refreshing change of pace to see like. Play the ball lumped up to the to two great strikers, like you know, it's it's refreshing, it's nice. Yeah, the um, two big men up top, fucking thing. That's what happens when you have no money. Um, mm-hmm. again, into Milan out of Europe completely. Um, and Conte apparently offered his resignation. Um, after they exited, that's, I don't know if the third season in a row that Inter have crashed, so yeah. Third like it has been described as a Milan thing and not a not a Conte thing, but uh, but geez, like if you like for the Inter team that's there, like they 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 should not be doing this. Like this is they're, they're too good for this shit. Like honestly, that's far too far too good. I mean, I, got, I I reckon like the only people like because I'm quite upset. Like I I quite like a lot of Italian football and I quite like Inter as a team. Yeah, but I reckon a lot of clubs are quite happy with Inter continuously going into Europe and crashing out because that's going to unsettle the low-hanging fruit gem players that they've got. Mm, he won being so. um, Martinez, Lautaro Martinez. Indeed, indeed. The heir apparent to uh, four European clubs that all think that he's perfect for them. It's just like, <laughs> like he's an Argentine striker and scores goals. Sign him now. Absolutely, um, yeah. 
Incredible. Group C then was a bit of a walkover. Man City topped it. FC Porto second. That's what happens when you have one of the easiest draws in the fucking group stages. And um, like legit, legit, it wasn't even entertaining. Like you might as well just assimilated this in Football Manager. And um, <laughs> Group D now, in fairness, like we, we I, I, I still, I said at the time, I, lo- I lo- really liked our draw, and they gave us some good games. We were gonna f- pretty much qualify top, although the injury crisis did kind of like spice things up a little bit. Uh, and, and ultimately, it did end up to be like a winner-takes-all situation between Atalanta and Ajax, to which Atalanta qualified. Probably rightfully as well. They are probably the, the second-best team in it, but you, I wouldn't have said no to Ajax qualifying either because like they do have some pretty hot talent in the team, you know, and they're kind of they're kind of coming through now in a sense where like if they come back next year and qualify, they'll be a top team, you know, kind of way. They're kind of that new, new generation is coming out in Ajax and they're fucking... Yeah, the team you look at and you're thinking, wow, they'll be really good if they don't get absolutely pillaged. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think they have like another year before they're really noticed. Like, before people see like Hassani Bande and he's realizing, oh, he's scoring four goals a game. We should do something about that. Or <laughs> Gravenberg, like, boss in the midfield and, um, and stuff like that. Like, and um, so, yeah, like, I, they, they'll blow up again, like, because that's how they're good. And to, to the credit, Michelin are like a good footballing team as well. So, actually, I actually quite enjoyed this group for what it was because the, the, the actual games were, were, were exciting. Group B was another formality. Chelsea top, Sevilla second, wins repeat. And to, to be fair, like you can kind of tell, like League One, like finishing early really kind of made them suffer in this because Marseille and Rennes were not Champions League teams at all. Like you could have, if they if they said like, can we put Leon instead of Rennes? They would have said yes, please. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that would be great if you could. Um, but yeah, there were walkovers really. Um, easy pickings for Chelsea for. Frank Lampard's Chelsea in the end. And um, I was thinking like, well, surely they, they must be like, um, they must have had some part of issues really. But no, when, they, when you saw the, they kind of like smashed Sevilla 4-0 um, in, in a game like that, it wasn't a one-sided at all. Like it was a good, it was a good honest game. And like, and Sevilla are not a, another a, not a, a walkover team either. So no, it was a good no, result. Sevilla are quite good, yeah. Yeah. Um, Group F, I suppose, was a walkover. I wouldn't call it that. Club Bruges gave it a really good shake, shake though. Um, Dortmund, uh, top of the group, uh, Lazio second and Bruges third. Uh, again, it was kind of a winner-take-all situation, but ended up in the draw anyway. So Lazio qualified. They were actually unbeaten in that group stage, fully enough, two wins and four draws. Lazio are a good team. They're a really, really good team. I like them. I like the way the way they do things. They have like a stupid amount of number 10s. <laughs> you know, like a team to have too many. Like a Ronald they have, an Italian, they have an Italian amount of number 10s. Yes. They're pretty much their entire front six. Are, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, who are you playing as number 10? All of them. It's like genius. Yeah. Genius. Get, get the man into Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but, um, oh, get, get all six players as well. Chelsea have got our 200 million. Yes. Again, I, lo- I love it. Love the lovely thing about Lazio is that they played the last game of Club Rouge with uh, Pepe Reina in goal and Lucas Leiva in the field. I'm just thinking, oh, the boys are back together again. That's so cute. <laughs> Pepe Reina's like 47 now. It's great. It's great that you still get them work. Um, yeah, it's like a Rolling Stones reunion or some shit like that. You're like, these guys are far too old for this, but I'm loving it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's great. Um, and Tennessee, St. Petersburg were indeed also in that group. Um, Juventus and Barcelona were tied for 15 points. And Group G, but the game that they had where Juventus beat them 3 0, uh, pretty much settled it. Again, a bit of a weird one. Like, this one's kind of distortion because Juve and Barcelona are both very flawed teams. And um, like Barcelona by design almost because of what's happening off the field. 
but then the Juventus kind of like work are a bit of a work in progress under Pirlo, and it's more or less the Pirlo part that's on the pro that's work in progress. Yeah, I think it's kind of he start he's trying to figure out what like his type of football actually is. You know, well, I think he, he's trying to see Juve have gone with a real Galactico style heavy hitter, mm. spend all the money, all the money kind of thing there, and he's realizing that this is absolutely not sustainable. No. So he's going, no, going I am I'm not running with this baton. Like you can fuck right off. Yeah. So he's trying to in a way rely on the superstar players they've brought in that are not going to last whilst also building setting the team up so that they don't have to rely on them. Yes. So it's really he's sort of trying to fix the wheel on the car while it's moving. In that, like, yeah. trying to figure out, like, oh, fuck, like, we they need those because they've had the team set up, they need those superstar players, but they can't need those superstar players because they're all at the tail ends. They're like, who knows how many more seasons you're going to get them? You'd be lucky to get one, maybe two out of them. Mm. Um, so, like, yeah, no, he, that's a fair argument, like, that's, because again, that, they, they, that's what he's trying to do, and he's. He's doing it without, and he knows because he's dealing with a lot of egos. He can't go in there and rip up trees. Yeah, he's got to use the natural charm and the the fact that he is a naturally very well respected, quite rightly now, player. Mm. Um, much in the same way as Zidane. Zidane doesn't have to kick in a fucking dressing room door and go, "Listen up, you fucking slags." Yeah, um, or how he would say that. Well, it's words um, to that effect. Words <laughs> to that effect. Um, same with Pirlo. Pirlo knows he can just gravitas in there and just go, look, mm. you need to just move more to the right when you're making your runs and knows that that player will do that because they yeah. go, fuck me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Like The team's a bit hamstrung by all the heavy hitters on the wage and transfer bill. And he's mm. trying to go, I can't rely on these guys, but I don't want to discard them because they're the only people getting us through this. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, I, I can kind of see his issue as well because, like, it is, it's one of the various like kind of like mega clubs that kind of have. I, I, again, I use a phrase like the joined up thinking, like the 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 board and the people, the powers that be, kind of want to have this kind of like weird like FIFA rule of acquisition, where it's just like just sign that player and sign that player and sign that player and you make it work. It's like yeah. you've just signed fifteen midfielders. How do you expect me to make any of this? Like, I have no left backs. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know. And Not only that, but none of the midfielders you signed are left-footed, so I can't even convert the fuckers no. to a left-back. Like, you assholes. It would be nothing here. <laughs> yes, I quit. But um, but yeah, like, I, and again, it's it's it, I suppose it's not a surprise that Juve are kind of had a bit of a slow start in the league, but they haven't lost. They've just drawn games. But to them, like that's kind of, like the kind of treat draws and losses in Syria are anyway. Mm. Um, well. But yeah, like, again, like it's it's not surprised Barca are kind of like second uh, pick in this group, but I can't see them going anywhere further than that. I think they will be out in the last in the last sixteen, and I'll not. I'm gonna be honest. I'd really like to draw them. It'd be just really nice to have. Like, this will be one of the few kind of seasons now, Champions League seasons, where people will be like, "I really hope I get Barcelona." Yeah, <laughs> or Real. They're fucking, they're <laughs> You know, like they're really, they're really, really fucking bad. They're like, oh, I, I get to play against Lionel Messi and I might win. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, how often have you been able to say that in previous footballing history? It's not a whole lot of time where you're going to go, oh, yeah, if we get Barcelona, we've got a shot at this. You're like, mm. what? 
yeah, you got a shot <laughs> only losing 5-0. Maybe if Messi doesn't send your fucking half your defenders to the twilight zone. Um, like, but yeah, yeah I mean, like, it, it, it's a shocking state of affairs. And people will be kind of wondering that about Real Madrid as well, you know? Yeah, Just like, I think so, yeah. They'll be, be looking at these matches and going, like, all I have to do is mark that fat boy they've got up front. Mm. And uh, like they don't even have bail to bring off the bench for the X Factor anymore, you know. No, they, got they don't have them, to worry yeah. about the bench either. Yeah, exactly. Like it is just a combination of like teams that are well about past the sell by date and massively overrated youngsters. It's fantastic. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah. And finally, I suppose in that regard, like Barcelona yes. aren't too bad, and that they've got a really talented crop of youngsters coming through. It's just are they going to get any game time? And mm. if they do, is the dumpster fire they're playing in? Is that just gonna wipe out whatever confidence they have that's know. the question like Barca like Barca kind of need like a whole generation of youngsters like Ajax tend to do but they've mm. only got really one or two they've only got like off the top of my head they've only got like Anzu Fati and Rodrigo Puig and I wouldn't throw Sergio Roberto in that group he's a bit old for that now but point I was standing those are really the only two or three that are there you can say you can't build a team around those two or three you need more you need to be able to say like well this is a like in the same way like Barca under Guardiola had like a solid like rock fucking like six mid- midfielders and players that we know are Barcelona yeah. or even prior yeah. to that period where before they just for some weird fucking reason just stopped using La Masia Academy graduates yeah. and just like so bizarre. Oh, well, yeah. we're just gonna sell these guys off and people are like are you fucking mental like no mm. Use these guys. That's how, that's why you had the horrifically dominant team that you had before. It's because of this academy. Why have you turned away from this? Like it's baffling. Yeah. Um, Tifo football on YouTube do a really really great kind of deep dive into why Bar or how Barcelona just stopped using La Masia academy graduates. Yeah. Um, and it's really great. It's, it's a baffling story. It's, it's easy to understand. It's baffling to understand why they did this. Yeah. And it's, it, it's like, it's big club football. Like sometimes it's just like, it's, they do things that just don't make sense. But and it's only because there's a big, big political dick waving competition behind the scenes. And it's like, like this shit didn't fly in dream team. It shouldn't fly in real life. Honestly, lads, yeah. you know, well, we saved the best group to lads, lads, because we said it at the time that Man United were in danger here of being eliminated <laughs> from this. And to their credit, too, to their credit, for some time, it looked like they might actually qualify. But then they reverted to the mean and in spectacular fashion. Um, wow. Um, so they, they, get, they got great wins against PSG, great win against Leipzig, which were granted the scoreline was very distortionally, according to our on-site reporter, Berkbach. Um, but then, but then the bus, the, the wheels of the bus did not go round. And um, we all remember the Istanbul that, that night in Istanbul where they, they forgot how the offside rule works and the slowest one to one oh, in human history. I still can't happened. believe that goal. Like, I, I look at that goal every now and again to kind of try and remind myself that I did not dream it. No, you know, it's like skill, bro. Does <laughs> <laughs> not exist? I think you may have dreamt it. Well, hang no. on. If I go onto Twitter and I was like, "Ha ha!" No, I didn't, you fucker. Yeah, um, it's been, it's been yeah it, it, that was just like a team to play like that deserved to crash out. Absolutely, I one hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, like, okay, I, I'm in a way like you know they have been have got away with it in the Premier League with like results against Southampton and West Ham and that. I'm glad they haven't got away with it in the Champions League. Um, they have been rightfully punished by teams that have so much better quality than them, uh, like PSG and Leipzig. 
But granted, they got their wins against <laughs> players who understand the offside rule. That also helps. When you have <laughs> players with like the basic level of football intelligence you expect from a professional, yeah, I, that, that does help. But like honestly, like um again, I again like I I, I don't I think Solskjaer is like, is rightfully criticized in the right circles unless you are the BT Sport punditry and you only get consigned United alone. Oh no, fuck those guys. It's insufferable. Like hearing them, it's just like oh, what was um Barney Ronnie had a fucking great piece on this, and it's absolutely hilarious. It's just like I was like, I'm not saying the punditry is slightly askew towards Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but Paul Scholes, not a friend of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, if Solskjaer was shooting pellet guns at the back of his head, and was asked about it, Paul Scholes, well, it's certainly a pellet gun incident. It's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking brilliant, nail on the head. But that's a, that's a separate issue. It has to be said though that Solskjaer has been found out here because. Um, I think he gets too much credit in terms of like the team that he has. Like the team he does have is very, very good, but it's weak in certain areas, like central defense and perhaps a little bit up front. Um, let's not, let's not, let's not like disillusion ourselves here. Like Bruno Fernandez is the only thing, thing, thing keeping this team afloat. Um, and with like credits to like likes of Martial and uh, not Martial, sorry, Rashford. Uh, and and sometimes Greenwood when he gets on the pitch, like some of those players play so well for the team, um, and but then for all of that, you have something in spite of it. You have Harry Maguire being a complete spanner, De Gea declining still as he is, and oftentimes you have these like crazy tactical decisions that like are essentially conspiring against you, like what Solskjaer did. He sets up teams wrong from the outset. Like, he really does. And he's kind of like, he reminds me of Emery last season. Remember, I think I said this, yeah. where like Emery always seems to be fighting from the back, where he's like, he's made the mistake initially and then he's making like substitutions on the go. And for a long time, Emery was fucking good at that. He was able to recognize he'd done wrong. The problem was he was doing wrong every fucking week. <laughs> yeah. And Solskjaer is the same. But the problem is that Solskjaer, I don't think has that technical intelligence to say, I need to make this sub right now. Literally, the only reason he won against West Ham last week was because he brought on Bruno Fernandes and Juan Mata, who doesn't get enough credit in this team. He's so fucking underrated. Um, but even then, that, like shit like that doesn't fly when you're up against teams who actually do have their shit together, like Leipzig do. Granted, they are missing. They have a they have a massive fucking problem up front, but they still have ten other players who can score goals. And to their credit, they scored and they put them away, and no fucking nonsense needed. Um, and they just got they got they just got shown up, and I think like even the United fans will admit that. I I would hope that like oh, yeah, yeah like this is Europa League team. Yeah, um, you know? yeah. Just people are just mostly the Ole out uh, crowd are really starting to kick up their voices now. Mm. So Twitter is quite hilarious right now. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it's it, it's it's delightful always seeing like other fan bases in civil wars, even though we've had one ourselves over the summer for not signing Thiago quick enough. Um, that ended up well, lads, didn't it? But um, but yeah, it's it's been a fun Champions League for for some reason. Like some club, some groups have been completely boring, and then like all the excitement has been like concentrated onto like three groups. It's great. Um, Europa League was fairly routine. Um, you guys are qualified, obviously. Spurs left it late, but they qualified. Um, Leicester come to be true as well, uh, and Rangers, who we've been singing the praises of in this on, in this podcast, still undefeated this season, by the way. Uh, Rangers 20, 21 wins and four draws out of 25 games, and they haven't been beaten in any competition, which I think is genuinely impressive. Yeah. Um, we can't say the same for Celtic, I'm afraid, <laughs> and we certainly can't say the same for Dundalk. But 
to 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 Dundalk's credit, they actually gave it a really good go in Europa League, and I, I have to admire them for that. Um, they gave they they gave some good games. They just were were caught out with like stupid mistakes, really. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of the story of it. Like, how would you rate the kind of Europa League experience? Like, it's been it's it was a bit of a formality for a team like Arsenal, really, isn't it? To a degree, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, it's Arsenal and formalities, and like, they mm. tend to be the things we fuck up the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very um, true. <laughs> But so far, like, hang on, I have a list here of the teams we go. Like, if you go to the other groups, uh, hmm. Roma and Young Boys getting through, decent out of that. Leverkusen, yeah. Prague, Rangers, happy about Benfica getting through, delighted. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't think they'd get through with such a huge points margin, though, but fuck it. Like, they're yeah. eight ahead of League A. So, um, yeah, Napoli are through. They'll be the good. Leicester are through top of the league. AC Milan, they got through, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Lille, Villarreal, Spuds and Antwerp. Yeah, all right, they're fine. Zagreb, Hoffenheim. So, yeah, so, like, there's a decent crop of players, decent crop of teams coming out of that. And, yeah, like, look, this Arsenal team is a cup team. You yeah. know, it's a, not, it's a knockout match team. And so, like, we do good in cup and knockout competitions. <laughs> you know, so Hooray. It's, it's the league that we really, 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 really falter in. So, mm. like, yeah. It's bizarre. It's, it's funny. I, again, it's, 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 it says so much that like, the B team is playing so much better than the A team. But, um, but yeah, like, like do, do, you, do you see yourselves, like, Going far in the Europa League, do you think you have a chance of winning it? Or will there be better teams in the competition? Well, we'll have to see what drags fall down from the Champions League. But mm. I don't see I don't see a single... I mean, like, funnily enough, Spurs are probably the only team that I don't think we could be. We couldn't be. Sorry. I, call me silly, but I fancy Villarreal. I really, really do. I think there's something about the team. Um they they didn't they, they their kind of point tally is a bit distorting because they never played the, the last game against Carabag, but it's a Unai Emery team. They play almost exactly like the Sevilla team did, same personnel almost, which is kind of scary. And I think they could they they could potentially be a contender. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to AC Milan either. Like the AC Milan team is a very precocious bunch and it's led by Zlatan. Like that's a that's a good mix to have, you know. Yeah, and they're, um, they're top of Serie A as well. Yeah, so um, they could be a good one too. Yeah, they went, Jesus, they went five clear the other day, yeah. So, and yeah, as no, as no, I, I, get, I get where you're going with that, but I... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't... It, again, depends on who drops down from the Champions League. But, um, yeah, mm. I, I... here. Oh, yeah, here it is, right? So, so you have Salzburg going in. The two opponents are Krasnodar, yeah. Salzburg... Kiev, Olympiacos, history, mm-hmm. um, Cluj, Prague, Slavia, Prague, sorry, uh, Benfica, Granada, Sociedad, Braga, Lille, Tel Aviv, Antwerp, Wolfsburg, and Red Star. Yeah. So out of all of them, I'd reckon I would not want Sociedad because they're killing it. Yeah. Um, fuck, other than that, like... No, that's quite grand. I probably I wouldn't want Benfica because I quite like them as a club and I'd hate to see us mm. knock them out. But um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, everybody's calling for Olympiacos for the history. But um, that'll go well. But uh, out, of, out of all of them, like I'm just I'm looking at, I'm going, yeah, maybe Sociedad is the only planet mm. skin there. Possibly, yeah. I I think like that's kind of been the the whole kind of 
um, argument of this is like I think you you do kind of get a general idea of who which clubs are actually taking this seriously once you get to the round of 16 when it hits February and March and you, oh yeah I still want to play on Thursdays well you actually really must want this trophy yeah, yeah. alright then come on in you know so I, I think, think you'll, you'll know that once you get to 16 given that the, given that the, they've changed the prize for the Europa League as you know going to pot A or the first pot for the Champions mm, League very you know, yeah that's that's when people are really that's the reason why now people are killing it like in the Europa League, or like ultimately, it. that's the only way Arsenal get the Champions League this year, isn't it? By winning the win Europa League, and it's kind of the same thing last year, really, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. pretty much. I mean, yeah. I look at how we play in the league, and I don't see that turning around. I don't see that stopping. No. And, uh, yeah, unless we do something wonderful in January transfer window, window, um, which I don't think we will. Nope. Um, nope. Yeah, I don't I think don't, so. I, I don't Can't. think league form turning around. No, I agree. Like again, you can sign as many players as you want, but there's just genuinely something wrong with your team. You have to fix it. Simple as that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there, lads. That's our podcast for this week. Um, we may have one uh, during the Christmas period whenever whenever we get a chance, because you know we all have lives to live and two weeks of freedom to use up. So we're going to use it having pints and like visiting people. Many from pints. Many. There's going to be a lot of pints, lads. Many, I, I, many I really points. can't stress it enough. You, you have no idea how much points we're all going to have. Um, <laughs> we're going to be putting the liquid into liquid football on that one lads trust me I trust okay. on that one yes so in that case lads thank you very much for listening to that um, if you would don't, if you don't mind while you're here please subscribe um, to the Monday Madness channel on Spotify uh, you can hear all of our podcasts here you'll hear ourselves every week or four week whenever we're doing these um, recapping the football events that happened uh, we've also had some of our Jelly Phil Donut episodes. If you're into some Pokemon uh, listen-alongs, we also have some other stuff there further down the line. Uh, if you don't mind also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel where we uh, do all of our video playthroughs of video games uh, and all different sorts of stuff as well. We also stream on Twitch, so give us a follow on that as well. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, we are at Monday Madness LP on Twitter. So by all means, give us a follow on that as well. But for now, after I got all the plugs out of the way, um, thank you for listening. I've been Jonathan. That's been Neil. Um, and for a Burkbot in absentia, all of that was liquid football.